0: Hello friends and welcome to Ill Natured, a true crime podcast. This is Michelle and I'm Alyssa. here today yes we are part two of the zodiac yes. saga if yes you will. yes um before we start i do want to just fangirl for a moment and shout somebody out so last week i posted a clip on tiktok mm-hmm. she did and Saying how big Elena from Morbid was, like a huge, you know, she's like a huge inspiration for the series. Yes, and we both just love Morbid. Morbid. So it was yeah. my first favorite podcast where I was like, Y'all are my best friends, and I couldn't stop listening, and they're the best. Well, I tagged Morbid, tagged Elena, tagged Ash, and you know, all those peoples and elena commented on the post and we are just very happy yeah because we love her we are fan girls so and Alyssa called me she facetimed me once and i was like man i'm trying to clean the kitchen what's this bitch calling me for uh, I, no, no, I, call, I called you more than once well it rang once because i was in the kitchen you know like, we had to get a surface and so then finally i was like man, i'm gonna have to answer it and the smile on Alyssa's face, and then when she told me, "I, was like, I couldn't even get words out." I woke it. my oldest kid up, and he came and you know celebrated, and we were so excited. Well, That's I really Facetimed her once and she didn't answer. Facetimed her again, she didn't answer. And Facetimed her third time, like I was like, I'm not giving up. Like she's gonna answer me. Like, I don't answer. give a crap what Mm-mm. she's doing. Nope. And when she <laughs> answered, I was like, You're not gonna, you're not even gonna believe what just happened right and now. and I was <laughs> having a really bad day. Like i had been in the kitchen, like just like you know those days. Oh, hormones is what it was ladies you know and oh my gosh i couldn't sleep i was so excited i was so excited so uh we just wanted to we love you ash and elena yes listen to morbid if you haven't already right because it is even the old episodes i love them all i'm literally in love with the old episodes like before i've been listening for a long time i was listening to the solder children which is like episode 10 (laughs) on the way over here yep the best i'm gonna go back and start re-listening but yeah, so we just shout out, shout out to you. And Elaine, if you're listening to this part too, I just want you to know how happy you made us. Yes. And. Thank you. Alyssa might be happy forever. I know? really am. I And me too. I can Because, stop smiling. you know, y'all are just the greatest. You're our southern soul sister. Or where are we're your southern, southern soul, soul sisters. sisters. we would have so much fun if we hung out. Yeah. We really would. Y'all you know, are girls for life. Sorry. So no, we don't. I don't want it to get weird or creepy, but we love you. and <laughs> Elena. We love you forever. And yeah, so we got a lot of exciting things coming up. Yes, we do. Um, Alyssa's got some local things, cases, mm-hmm, that- mm-hmm. some that I guarantee you've never heard before. Yep. And if you have, you haven't heard it like this. So. Okay. Okay, stay tuned for that. We've got a a local missing persons case, fairly local, um, Dothan, Alabama, coming up in December, actually on the anniversary of his disappearance. So y'all listen in, you know, get yourselves hyped, hyped up. And we're going to work on our pre-order form for your I Love Jesus and True Crime Mm -hmm. t-shirt for Christmas. And then we'll have a couple more probably, right? yeah hopefully we have somebody to make them yes we just have to i'll start working on that (laughs) we'll get the order form together i want to find somebody to make us coffee cups too yes because i need to be advertising with my coffee every day with my coffee every day um so just be checking facebook instagram all the platforms for that um and what else I don't think I have anything else I can think of. went to the fair this weekend. Guy ran over my foot with um his wagon with a kid in it. <laughs> and then I was like, ooh, you got me. Because he realized he had hit something. And then he turned around and gave me the hardest look ever. I was like, what do I even say to that? Excuse me, sir. It was intense. I hate the fair. I'm also going to kind of do an expose in the near future. Probably first of the new year. 2023. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Crazy. Anyways, about Carnival Fair workers, um, because I don't, I I don't, I don't care for the fair period, okay, (laughs) but then you add in, I don't know, I just, I get lots of vibes, and I don't like the people looking at my kids, or, you know, it's a lot, but we made it through the fair in almost one piece. Until next year. Anyway, so, yeah, that's that. Uh Let's jump into Get after Zodiac it. Part 2. Do so, it. if you haven't already, you need to go listen to Part 1. That was last week's episode. Right yes. We talked about the first couple Zodiac murders and mm-hmm. the first two letters, I believe. Yep. So, we are going to be diving back into the third murder that is associated with the zodiac Mm -hmm. and it is going to be on lake various in california so Mm -hmm. it was september 27th 1969 about three months after the attack at blue rock springs and it was two young adults in their early 20s cecilia and shepherd who is 22 and brian hartnell who is 20 um they were both students at pacific union college and penguin in Napa County, California. Just friends? Or lovers? So, it, uh, dif- it depends on what source you look at. <laughs> I bet. So, some sources say they dated and they were possibly broken up, but just kind Maybe of. friends with benefits. Or just friends. Some say that they were just friends just in friends. general. Right. So, I don't know, but they were, you know, hanging out because right. this was, if you know, one of the last days she was going to be on campus. So it was, um, you know, she was either going to be leaving the next day or, you know, the day after or something along the lines of that. Well, she was getting her stuff ready in preparation for transferring to UC in Riverside, California which is going to tie into something a little bit later in part three, okay. but we're not good. Like I said, it's going to be part three. So hold on to that little tidbit, uh-huh. but Brian and Cecilia met at campus and after worship started packing our stuff up, they went to the cafeteria on campus and ate lunch together. And then Brian asked if she had anything special planned for the afternoon. If not, You know, he was like, let's go hang out, you know, walk, talk, you know, it's your last day, let's last day hanging out, let's let's spend some time together. So, after they ate, they ran and did a few little things, and then Brian decided to take Cecilia to Lake Berryessa, which happens to be the largest lake in Napa County, California, and it was an Mm -hmm. hour drive from the last Zodiac attack. Now, Lake Berryessa is a man-made lake that is over 25 miles long and three miles wide. Wow. Also, random fact, there is a huge hole in the middle of the lake, and it happens when the water levels of Lake Berryessa Reservoir get too high. The excess water starts whirlpooling in the middle. Horrifying. (laughs) And locals call this the glory hole. Even more horrifying. Glory hole. Yikes. Horrifying. Whoa. What if you got caught up in a whirlpool in the middle of a lake in a spot called the glory hole and died? The, the worst way to uh, go. Well, that's not how these people go. That's right. That's right. That's just the,
1: the whirlpool I mean, not thing. unfortunately,
0: but like... Right. This isn't a better option. But anyways, it's pretty... But af- horrifying. Yes. Pretty isolated place. Um, especially... This specific day, Um, they got there about 4 p.m. and Brian and Cecilia pulled up and parked on the edge of the road. Mm -hmm. They got out, walked down this hill a quarter of a mile to two large oak trees near the shoreline on a peninsula. Sounds lovely. And, you know, they laid out a blanket and began chatting, enjoying each other's company, spending time together. And um approximately an hour went by when Cecilia looked up and noticed a strange man up on the hill who appeared to be watching them. Well, you're telling me she noticed this man watching him and since he was so far away, she couldn't really make any details, but could tell that he was stocky and had dark hair. He just (laughs) Well, what's even creepier is he disappears behind some trees and then reappeared moments later and started moving towards them. No, this is when she mentioned to Brian that there was someone following them and coming to them in the distance. And everybody, remember, this is a peninsula, right? So, so they're, they're stuff by water. Yeah, they, they, they can't. Christmas. Well, right, but they can't right. run away, right? Unless they run towards him and have to run. Because he's like walking from their car, basically. Ugh. And then like High jetting behind trees, these trees. Yeah. The well, well, he, you know, disappears behind the trees and then reappears a moment later. And this is when she mentioned to Brian, someone in the distance was coming towards them. Well, he was laying on his back. And his hands were behind his head. You know, he's facing the water, chilling. watching around. And Cecilia was on her stomach and her head was laying on his. um, So she was looking back, kind of back the other way, right? Pointed towards the tree. Yeah. So he's like laying like this and she's laying her head kind of like this or like had her hands perched on her head or her hands, you know, Mm -hmm. some wind blew dust around. And by the time Cecilia looked back up again, the, the guy was gone. Ugh. And it was freaky nonetheless. And the man was described to be moving heavily and slowly. A few Ugh. moments later, they heard movement again. And Brian asked Cecilia, do you have your specs on? Why don't you see what the deal is over there? And Cecilia responded by saying it was the man from a few minutes ago that she had mentioned. And he asked if the man was alone, to which she said that he had stepped behind a tree. So he was out of sight right now. Right. And the man stepped out from behind the tree again. So he keeps going in and out mm-hmm. I, uh multiple weird. times. Yeah. Weird. And this last time that he steps out from behind a tree is only twenty five feet away from the couple. And then this is when Cecilia sees the man is carrying a gun. Ooh. And she screams out. She squeezes Brian's arm and he sat straight up to see the man for the first time himself. The man was walking towards them again, and Cecilia realized that the man had put on some sort of disguise or costume. He was wearing what seemed to be like a black paper sack hood over his head, and the hood hung down over past his shoulders. There was a long flap in the front and in the back, and it was sleeveless. I looked up a picture. Right. like and, It was kind of like my mom's turtleneck that so I told you about. It. She used to wear under a blazer, it's kind of like a half. Um, You know, you got the turtle, and then you have a bit of shirt in the front, a bit of shirt in the back. Right. That's what this thing looks like, but with a whole bag. over the and head. Yeah. Area. And, and the it's definitely like a paper bag. Like the corners are like sharp. sharp. Right. hmm So, on the front flap that hung down, there was a symbol sewn on. And it was a circle with a cross in it, like a target or the crosshairs of a gun. Yep. And this would soon be known as the Zodiac symbol. Mm -hmm. And he uses it in just about everything after this. I hate that he has a a symbol dedicated to his murders. Oh. The way way we do serial killers. No, no, no. He gave himself this. Well, I know, but I'm not sure it was all over when I looked up a picture. Oh, yeah. Mm. But the hood also had eye slits cut out and he had clip-on glasses. He was speculated to be wearing some sort of mid-rise military boot because his pants were tucked in at the bottom as well. Mm -hmm. And he was eventually standing over the couple. Brian said that when the man told him he wanted all their money, he described the voice as monotoned and said the man sounded about 20 to 30 years old. And he also later said that it was like a student's, some kind of draw, but not a Southern draw. Right. Maybe, huh. Valley Girl. I'm thinking like a vocal fry. Oh (laughs) my gosh, Valley Girl. girl, Yeah. (laughs) Um, You are in California. I don't know. Well, and then I'm trying to think of another area that that has a draw, you know? Well, besides Southern. I can't remember where I read this at, and it might have been in Stewart's book. Now, this is kind of trying to tie into who he thinks the suspect is, uh-huh. but he said it could have been like maybe perhaps loosely English accent, uh-huh. but the man said that he wanted their keys and their money, making them believe this was going to be a routine robbery right. and one was going to be hurt. So, Brian said that he didn't seem extremely educated, but he wasn't illiterate either. But as the man was so close now, Brian believed that he could see what that the man was wearing another pair of glasses on. So, two pairs of glasses. One for vision, maybe. One for disguise. Mm-hmm. And that will also... That's f- a lot. hes He's got all this stuff on. He's about to try to shoot these kids. Two pairs of glasses. I mean... Yeah. That's a lot. That's a well, lot. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You could say. Um... <laughs> The man was also wearing black gloves. Gloves, too? Yes. Old fashioned pleated pants. A reddish black wool shirt under a blue black windbreaker. And this is in September. So I don't know how cold it is. In (laughs) California. Probably not super, not super cold. Okay. And then also that brings to the fact that Brian. Later said he thought the guy was about five ten to six possibly two hundred twenty five to two hundred and fifty pounds. Bigger, yeah. Right now, Brian also says that he is, you know, he could have poor judge of physical characteristics because he was so tall himself. Yeah. And if the man was wearing so many layers, he could have looked thicker with the than bag he, too. He could have looked bigger than he was. Yep. And you'll probably post a pic. But you know, yeah. So he might not have really been that big. Yep. Just all the clothes. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, Brian gets his keys out of his pocket and hands them and the little bit of change he has to the man. Well, the man throws the keys on the blanket and puts his gun into the holster that was on his side. Brian said the smart... Th- tried the smart thing first and tried reasoning with the man. Right. He said he didn't have any money on him right now, but he could help him out. You know, he told him that... Um, the man told him no, and that he was an escaped inmate who had just killed a prison guard. Yeah, all those, where'd you get all those clothes from, sir? And yeah. this nice, fancy disguise. Yeah.
1: Right. Two um, pairs of
0: glasses, and you just escaped from prison? Come on now, baby. <laughs> Come on. You hit the goodwill on the way? Like, mm-hmm. what? Brian kept trying to talk to the hooded man. Tell him that he didn't have much money. You no, know, he kept trying anything he could. Basically, he kept repeating right, himself. Right, to catch him off guard and make the guy nervous. Mm-hmm. It's a good plan, Brian. And he also later said that he didn't think the gun the man was carrying was even loaded. So, he thought the man was bluffing the entire time. And as he talked to the man, he stared at the knife on his side. So, the man was carrying a knife and a gun. Oh, goodness. Okay. The man cut some clothesline and said, quote, lie face down on the ground. I'm going to have to tie you up, end quote. Hmm. Huh. And at first, Brian stood up in defiance, but was ordered to sit back down. Brian believed that he could have actually gotten the gun away from the man because of how the man was holding it. And he actually asked Cecilia if she was okay with it. And he later, quote, apparently, allegedly, we already went through this spill in part one, told Gray Smith that, quote, And she kind of got fearful about it. So, I figured since there were two lives involved, not just mine, I wouldn't do it. I thought... Let's just play it safe. This is the way to do it. If somebody robs you, you cooperate. You give them your money. And he seemed kind of kooky, but was carrying on a fairly logical conversation. All he wanted was the money, end quote. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. He might, But he might have been able to get the gun. I don't know. Right. That's a, I don't know. I would just be in the moment. Like, I would decide and do whatever in the moment. Well, he, he says that he didn't because he so didn't feel comfortable with it. And he thought that since it wasn't just him, like he thought maybe it right. could have gotten them killed if he did try and fail. So right, right. And Usually. he and he still believes if this is truly a quote he gave, right. He still believed all the man wanted was the money. Mm-hmm. So hmm. he's trying to cooperate. You know, he's like, all he wants is the money. If I cooperate, we'll live. Yeah. So it just <laughs> hit me that he's telling us all this. So he Alright, alright. You push your he, hole. He got it. <laughs> so <Push her. laughs> you are not right. Thank you. Um the hooded man turned towards Cecilia and told her to tie Brian up. So his game was to get Cecilia to tie Brian up because Brian's the man, he can fight back. So she tied him up fairly loosely and then the man, the hooded man tied her up. If I was tying folks up, I'd want to be in control of the tying. You know, like you're going to let a victim tie up another victim and expect that they're going to do a good job. But I agree with that. Right. But if he was tying one of them up, the other one yeah. could escape. I, I don't know, this guy might be a little dense. <laughs> might be a little dense.
1: We'll, well, see. we'll see where
0: the story goes. All right. All okay. Right. So anyways, um... He ties her up, and he actually goes and checks behind Cecilia and then tied Brian's line twice as twice as tight. Oh, I see. So, he was just kind of doing it to disable him for the moment, I suppose. Yeah. Interesting. To get her tied up, where she can't move, and then go back and tie her. And, and he, he fixed her. his. Okay. All right. All right. They chatted some more, and Brian asked if the gun was really loaded, and the man showed him, in fact, that it was. This entire time, the couple never really had any idea that they were going to be brutally attacked. Brian said that the man was calm and was talking in a lower, hushed voice. He was not screaming. He was not being violent with them. And then out of nowhere, the voice turned huskier and said, quote, I'm going to have to stab you people, end quote. Excuse me, sir. Mm-hmm. So, but, but going back to the first two murders we talked about in part one. Right. Gun was used. They had no contact with the shooter. Right. Mm-hmm. right. They didn't talk. This is weird. This is very weird. Right. He's feeling his Wheaties, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, theories. I have theories. Okay. Because it was dark the first two. Uh-huh. This is the daytime. So this is a different, different kind of Whole emo. different... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Brian immediately said this was when he had fear of the worst happening and told the man to step in first. He he was like, you know, if you're going to stab stab me first, he could not bear to watch Cecilia well, God be attacked. Bless him to that. Well, the man said, quote, I'll do just that, and before Brian even had time to think about what was happening, the hooded man dropped to his knee, pulled the foot-long knife from his side, and started stabbing Brian over and over again in the back. A whole foot. Mm Mm-hmm. Twelve inches. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for knowing um, the metric system. I don't know. They're twelve inches in a foot. I mean, you know that. So, anyways. Wow. Wow. His blood sprayed Cecilia in the face as she watched in horror. Brian said he was lying on his stomach, instantly stiffened up, and just waited for it to stop. Cecilia screamed like, of course anybody would. Yeah. And when Brian Brian seemed to loosen up and give in, the man stopped and turned towards Cecilia. He started stabbing her repeatedly in the back ten times. She somehow managed to turn over during the attack, and then he continued stabbing her in the chest. The knife fully went into her chest, then once into each breast, once into the groin, and once into her stomach. No! She begged for him to stop, but the more she moved and fought, the more he stabbed. Mm. When The man was finally fulfilled. He stood up, tossed the money and keys onto their blanket, and walked away. He wanted to make it very apparent that he was not doing this for robbery. I wonder if the knife was going all the way in. Do we know? I don't know. I mean, as a foot, ugh, you don't know. Ugh. Yeah. It's so. Stabbing. It's a lot. Yeah. Very personal and a very. Yeah. Like, he's been carrying on a conversation with these people for, you know, a good five to ten oh, minutes. Yeah. And then. we just chatting He's up. finally just. That's weird. This is strange. Mm-hmm. Well. Brian basically played dead until he thought that the man was for sure gone and there was no chance of him returning to finish what he had started. Cecilia had blacked out sometime. Brian maintains that he doesn't believe that he did. So, he says that Cecilia was kind of going in and out, but he says that he doesn't believe he was. But Think about the blood loss. Oh, yeah, I know. But when she regained consciousness, they began screaming for help. Brian's goal was to stay alive and to get free. He twisted behind Cecilia in a way to basically bite through the line that she was tied with. And when you think about that, I bet your mind doesn't automatically think the line was covered in blood. But I thought I brought it up. Of course it was. So think about this, that this 20-year-old boy was biting through a bloody line with his teeth after just being stabbed himself. I don't do blood. And so, wow. Whew. That's a lot. Yeah. I keep thinking, no cell phones. So, I mean. Exactly. It would be pretty easy to be like, oh, well, this is it. This is the end. I know. Right. Well, he later said that his mouth was even filling up with blood. Michelle just had a physical reaction to that. Yep. Thankfully, his hard work paid off and Cecilia was free. And somehow she mustered up the strength to untie Brian's extremely tight line and free his hands yeah. as well. He said it took a while for the the feeling to come back because he had been tied up for so long yeah. that his hands were, like, numb. Yeah. He planned on crawling to get help, but he was so weak yeah. and lost a ton of blood, he could barely even move. They were hollering and moaning for help when a man and his son heard them. Ugh. They were in a small boat on the lake and rowed closer to the peninsula to see what was going on. Wow, that's lucky. I know. And so when the father saw the scene, he turned around. And Brian thought that was it, that no one was ever going to come back and they were just going to die down there. So he started up the hill and started towards the road. Little did he know that the man and son went in search of help. Good. I wouldn't have rolled all up on there with my kid in the boat either. Exactly. You know what your doing. Exactly. Ooh. 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 But he still went and got help. Yeah. So two miles away, the man and son rushed into Rancho Monticello Resort to get help. Ranger Dennis Land and Ranger Sergeant William White got the call over their radio. Bill White, so William White, Ooh. went by boat to the scene, and Dennis Land went by car. Land said originally he didn't know what was really going on and thought it was something like a cut foot. They were not expecting the scene that they were about to pull up on. Yeah, right. Because I I was about to say, the fisherman didn't know what was going on either. I'm sure he just heard the kids screaming, you know. and probably saw blood. I was about to say, he saw blood, but, like, he had no idea that That they were just stabbed. Right. So... When Ranger Land pulled up on scene, Brian was about 300 yards away from the stabbing scene where they had, you know, originally got stabbed at. Right. He got out to check on him, and that's when Brian said his girlfriend, so he says right uh-huh. here his girlfriend, yep. um, was down by the water, and that's when Land rushed to her. Two boats arrived, and the Rangers wrapped up bra- wrapped up Brian and Cecilia in blankets until the ambulance arrived. Unfortunately, the ambulance was coming from a hospital that was an hour away. No. Oh, my gosh. All the odds are stacked up against these two. Yes. hikes. While telling Rangers what happened, Brian and Cecilia kept drifting in and out of consciousness. Brian later said he didn't remember being in much pain but was definitely in shock. Now Cecilia, though, was said to have been in excruciating pain, and Bill White later said that both seemed to be suffering. But quote the girl, she kept pleading with me to give her something to kill the pain or knock her out. Aww. She was breathing, breathing, writhing, writhing on the ground in yeah. agony, and I could barely mm. feel her pulse. End can quote. Imagine witnessing something like that. <gasps> I know, <sighs> and like these cops can't really do anything, right? You're, I, they're just sitting there waiting. They have to be thinking "I'm about to watch these kids die, die in front of there's me. And there's, Yeah, there's do. nothing I can do. Oh, that's horrifying. He said the couple wasn't bleeding anymore, but they had so many stab wounds. Like, can you imagine looking at these kids? Okay, like, look at, like, they're covered in stab wounds, but they're not bleeding anymore. Like, there's probably blood dried all over. It's think probably like their, a freaking in, like, horror movie. Yeah. Think about their organs and, oh. Whew. It's a lot. It's making me a little bit weak. And I, like, turning pale? <laughs> I will pass out. No, you won't. Please don't. Why? <laughs> on the air. Um, oh She gone. No. I watch horror movies and stuff, but, like, this actually happened in... okay well anyways um bill white told cecilia to try and scratch away from the pain and he said that he had heard a long time ago that it was something to help you kind of forget what was hurting you scratch what it's anything i don't know and um, Cecilia said it worked for a short time, but White said she, quote, started begging me again to put her out of her misery. You'd think that the shock would have kind of numbed the pain. Bless her heart. Yeah, she apparently was like really. Well, imagine really being stabbed both breasts, the groin, your stomach. Whew. And then all in the back. Um. Finally, the victims were rushed to the closest hospital and Cecilia was brought straight back for emergency surgery that was most of the night. At 7.40 p.m., an hour and ten minutes after the attack, the phone at the Napa PD rang and Officer Slate answered. This is what he heard on the other end. Good. Quote, I want to report a murder. No, a double murder. They are two miles north on Park headquarters. They were in a white Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. After a long pause, Slate asked where the man was, and he replied in a very low tone, quote, I'm the one that did it, End quote. Officer Slate heard the receiver put down, but the connection wasn't lost. He asked if anyone was still there and thought he could hear passing traffic. The officer believed people, other people, were around as well. Phone. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then Officer Slate called the sheriff's office and let them know about the call, and then called the operator to see if the call could be traced. Yep. They traced the call back to a payphone, which was only four and a half blocks from the police station and twenty-seven miles away from the scene. The police were actu- actually able to lift a good palm print off the phone, but was it the killer's? Yeah, payphone. Guess what, buddy? They ain't dead. So, ha. So yet he calls mm-hmm. the police again. Wants to report a double murder. So, did he do this with both of the first ones? He didn't either. make I any contact remember. after the, after um, Bailey Jensen and David Faraday. Uh-huh. It wasn't until the Blue Rock Springs attack with Darlene Farron and Michael Mageau where he goes, calls, and then he starts writing letters. Uh-huh. So... The report of this stabbing was logged at 7.13 p.m. at Napa County Sheriff's Office and Officer Dave Collins and Deputy Ray Land, who happened to be Dennis's brother, went to the scene, but it was actually Detective Sergeant Kenneth Narlow of the Sheriff's Office that took the lead on the investigation. Mm-hmm. When he got on scene, he looked at Brian's vehicle that was sitting there and what he saw chilled him to the bone. The shooter of the couple had written on the car door in black ink Vallejo 122068, 7469, September 27th, 69, 630, by knife, accompanied by the zodiac symbol, which was the target for crosshairs. Okay. Yikes. So, this is when Detective Marlowe realized they were dealing with another Zodiac murder. He had put on the victim's car the three dates of the Zodiac attacks. Right. With his symbol. hmm Okay. Also on scene, they were able to get casts of tire tracks and footprints. And mm-hmm. Detective Collins noticed the footprints going towards Brian Carr and going down to the crime scene was a size ten and a half detectives come to the conclusion the shooter was approximately 220 pounds because of how far down the footprint went so it was on the like he brian said 225 to 250 he was on the lower end of that scale Mm -hmm. they were able to determine the killer was wearing a boot called the wing walker that was actually a government-issued boot only distributed to the Navy and Air Force bases on the West Coast. So this is another connection to... The military. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am gonna mention like I keep mentioning small little tidbitsies in there that we're gonna piece together when we talk about the suspects. Mm-hmm. But I do want to drop pieces in there, okay. you little know, crumbs. If you little will. crumbs, little breadcrumbs, little Hansel, you little Hansel and Gretels, I'm leading you to my uh, uh house now. in the woods. So, follow me. The evil witch. Quit laughing. <laughs> Bitch, you crazy. Thank you. I love it. I'm piecing okay. a story together for you all. But I do have a lot to say about the ciphers. The inspiration of some of the things he says. You know, what he wears, what he right. says, how he writes. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there's that we're going to get into with the say. Zodiac. So, yeah, yeah. hold on to those bridges, boys, because we've got lots of details. Lots of details. Mm-hmm. Including this military boot. Yeah. So, another part of the investigation we're going to talk about is possible witnesses or people that were in the area possibly seeing someone or something strange. Yep. Now, detectives learned that earlier in the day there were three young women in a parked lot near the lake. A man in a two-door light-colored Chevy car pulled in beside them and then backed up to where his rear bumper was even with theirs. He parked and sat there with his head down, acting as if he was reading or something. Mm-hmm. And the man was twenty-five to thirty-five years old, two twenty to two thirty, with dark hair, fairly clean-cut, and was apparently smoking cigarettes back to back. Oh, she- he was a—I was about to say—he was she- a she- chain smoker. So they drove off, headed towards the lake. Now this all was occurring around two-fifty p.m., so about an hour, two hours before Cecilia and Brian even got to the lake. Yep. An hour later, the girls were tanning when they saw the same man watching them, and he sat there for about 20 minutes before driving off. Ew. There was also a dentist and his son who parked their car and walked down to the beach. This was about um, four-fifths of a mile away from where the attack would happen at. Mm-hmm. The dentist noticed a man watching them from a distance. This is the second sighting of a creepy dude in the distance just watching somebody um this man was five ten or so so on the smaller side of what brian said again yep um stocky wearing dark pants and a long sleeve shirt with red coloring Mm -hmm. which kind of fits the bill of what brian described the man became aware that the dentist had noticed him and he got spooked and it was possibly because the the boy that was with him, his son, was carrying a twenty-two rifle, so that could have scared him off. He was like, "Oh, uh I about to get shot. Yep, yep, yep. But either way, you know, the man turns around abruptly and marched uphill, putting his hands in his windbreaker jacket. Uh-huh. So, the sheriff's office brought the three girls in and had their assistance with a composite sketch of the man that they saw. They acknowledged that this was not even at the scene, and this might not have had anything to do with the attack, but police still wanted to speak with them and speak with the man that they saw. got to get, this is, yeah. You I see mean, he's creeping. creeping. First of all, he's creeping right. out there. Uh-huh. And you're close enough to the attack, it could have been the same man. And they're kind of piecing together more of what he looks like his height, his, you know, corroborating and getting all their ducks in a row. Exactly. If you, if you will. Um, two days later, on September 29th, 1969, shout out to my sister, it's her birthday. Woo! Um, not in 69. Cecilia Ann Shepard, unfortunately, succumbed to her injuries Aww. and passed away with her parents in the room with her. Ce- Cecilia had been stabbed 24 times and ha- her aorta was cut in several places. Brian was bitter when Cecilia died because he felt the ambulance took entirely too long, which, I mean, we they did. obviously. They do. An hour is too long. Way too long. Mm-hmm. And she had been picked up and gotten medical attention. Sooner, he feels like she could have survived, but... You know, here we are again with someone who probably struggles with survivor's guilt. Yeah. Um. I mean, even... Absolutely. You know, especially back in those days, you know, the man was expected to kind of protect the women. Well, and it seems like, to me, that she got it worse than he did. Well, and that's a running theme with some yeah, Zodiac victims. It. The women are getting it a lot, a lot worse than the men ever uh-huh. do. So, that's normal thing them. to kind of keep in the back of your little brain, if you will. What's oh, in there? So... So, I was reading some of Brian's quotes from different books, and it really seemed to me that he regrets a lot of the stuff that he did,
1: mm-hmm. but he
0: shouldn't. Like, for example, he brought up a lot how he thought he was there for money, uh, and Brian had no idea he was dealing with the Zodiac, a maniac who was just wanting to murder. So, he had no idea that the Zodiac was not there to rob them. You know, he, he did what he could do the best. He obliged, and he really believed he they were going to make it out alive. The problem is, Brian could have done anything, and the attack still could have happened. Right. You know, like, there was nothing he was going to be able to do to stop the Zodiac killer. Right. Even if Brian could have somehow gotten the gun away from the Zodiac and killed him, it still put it could have put Cecilia's life in danger like he feared. You right. Know? But, so, I don't know. It's it just happened. I mean, it happened, Brian. I don't know what you heard of. Right. And it's nothing you should feel. No, anybody that's in this situation. I mean, my, there's not a right way to be robbed. You, you know? know it's not re- to encounter a serial killer. Right. That's on the... Robbed. Well, I was about to say that's on the... um Like, his whole motivation in this was to just murder people, as we've already established about umpteen thousand times. The well, so, thing is, why not just go up to him and murder him? Like, Why this time? Why did he go through all this with the tying up and the, you know? I don't know. Interesting. I interesting. Know. Feels di- very different to me. I'm well, like, we're about to get really freaking different in the next one, mm-hmm. so... Oh, that thought. Mm-hmm. Um, on Thursday, October second, nineteen sixty nine, Cecilia's funeral was held, mm-hmm. and it was a very, very sad day for everyone, as you can imagine. Nice. The police also ended up holding a press conference that day about the killer. Now, Cop- Cap Copton, Cockton. Copton, Don <laughs> mm-hmm. Townsend from the sheriff's office started off by saying that they would have would be keeping a few things close to the investigation just in case the killer decided to reach out again as he had done in the past. They could verify they were getting communication from the real Zodiac, you know. How could they verify that? If they were keeping stuff close to the children. Oh, I see. see, si, si. I got you. CC, si, si. <laughs> si, senor. So that, that was a, Yeah, just in case the killer reached out like he did in the past, they were going to make that sure they sense. could verify it that was, it in fact, the killer and not just Another yeah. crazy nut pretending to be crazy. Pretending to be him. Oh my gosh, I just realized that we have a lot to go in this episode. <laughs> in this oh episode. shit, yeah. Uh-oh. Add another part. We'll go spill on over into we December. might whatever <laughs> for it. Might. Um so he goes on by saying quote, he can't be anyone but a mentally ill person. He must get sex gratification from the act of killing, end quote. He cautioned residents to stay out of remote areas and to travel in groups after dark. Popular hangouts became ghost towns, and parents even told their teens they could neck with their dates undisturbed. Oh, goodness. That's hilarious. They were basically like, go in your room. If you want to get free, close the door. Wrap it just before you tap it. And... Don't bring no grandbabies home, but please don't get murdered. Go to so the just, lovers' lane as yeah. that twin size bed. Okay. Okay. Don't make it long. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, no. Sorry, you just get to do do whatever you going to do in the house until they get this killer off the streets. Okay, but no grandbabies. Yeah, that would be that would be quite difficult. Neck, you can neck. Undisputed. Like, I imagine two giraffes rubbing their necks together. Or like weird, 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 their weird, necks. weird, 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 weird. Let's, n- next, next subject. After this attack, Detective Narlo contacted, contacted? <laughs> yes. I love these new pronunciations. I'm acting like a dang fool today. No, you're oh, just oh, mixing oh. it up. Keeping yeah, I'm it, keeping know, spicy. Spicy. Spicy, no? No? Yeah. Impacted. detective lynch detective These people if they're still listening <laughs> at this point they're here for it and they know how we do okay and we've been with hey can you get your heavy feet off this suck? So man, I mean, what you trying to i have gained a few pounds man i'll uh, uh, get off me well, that play, that's, mm, mm. i know she did not y'all heard it you're beautiful the way you are catch me outside all right a little bit later i'm okay. kidding Oh, I'm going to cry. I have gained a little weight. It's not in your feet. They're attached to these thighs. But Michelle, you're still skinnier than I am. Stop it. I've gained weight, though, for real. Y'all ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about. All right. My husband keeps... He started working out, and so he keeps trying to tell me I need to start working. I was like, oh. Oh, he's oh, trying okay. to you. So you're just confirming that, yeah, I put on a few LBs, and I must be looking sloppy. And he's like, no, no. And I'm like, I yeah, must be looking you sloppy. Said, you said what you said, sir. Now deal with the consequences. Mr. Cont and Mrs. Quince. We should have got that on video. Dang, we missed that opportunity real yes, fast. Yes, we did. That's my guns. Mr. Cont, Mrs. Quince. Right to Mrs. Quince. Hollering. I know they know we're in here recording a damn podcast. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Folks don't right. care. Back to I know you wasn't trying to call me. I know. You know I love you. I know. Okay, I'll shut up now. Okay, but after this attack, Detective Narlo contacted Detective Lynch, Detective Lundblad, and Mel Nikolai of the Criminal oh, Identification and Investigation. That is a mouthful. Tell me about it. He got them involved with their investigation. The... Four started working very closely together to try and solve the mystery of the zodiac and get this mad man behind bars as soon as possible. Yes. Now, they get to go back to necking in their cars. Yeah. And their parents cannot know about it, Right. So, they talked crime scene, compared scenes, victims, MO, everything. They talked suspects, evidence, theories, like all of it. They shared a box of donuts, some coffees. More than a box. And this Mm -hmm. is what they came up with. So, we've got nine little bits we will say. So, number one, the victims were young students in couples. So, all three were... Young. The the oldest was the last attack. Yep. Um, College 20, age. 20, yeah. 22, yeah. 20, 20 19, and then 17 and 16. Yeah. All couples. The attacks all occurred on weekends. Near, um, two were near holidays. Mm-hmm. So um, Christmas, 4th of July, and then they were all on either like a Saturday or, or Friday. Mm-hmm attacks happened at night or dusk so the last attack happened at dusk it was like 5 5.30 yeah it was still light but it was at dusk the other two happened at night there was no indication of robbery or sexual assault at all so those were not motives besides Um, him stabbing her in her lady parts now I don't know yeah I'm just saying but I think that was just an anger probably like he wasn't doing it Intentionally? No, I think he was doing it intentionally, but I don't think he had any. I don't think it was like sexual assault. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Okay, so number five, a different weapon was used each time. So the first two involved guns, but the guns were different guns. guns. And then the last one was a knife. Um, six, the killer loved to brag about the attack or murders by phone or letter. So, he wrote to the press and claimed all three of these. Mm-hmm. Seven, all were remote Lover Lane type deals. So, yep. you know, the Blue Rock Springs, very isolated parking lot, Lake Herman Road, very isolated road, on um, Lover mm-hmm. Lane, and Lake Berryessa, very isolated peninsula they were on. Yep. Um, eight all occurred in or around cars, which is a weird little tidbit. Mm. And that kind of follows into the next murder as well. Okay. Um, the first two happened in cars and the third, their car was, he rode on the car. Right. He was over there creeping. Yeah. And then number nine, the victims were always around water, which is a weird little. I hadn't thought about that one. Interesting that. tidbit. Yeah. So it was Lake Herman Road. Yep. Blue Rock Springs. Uh-huh. Like, various. Like, uh, so, uh-huh. um, I do want to all kind of discuss the similarities before we move on to the next victim. A few of these things I actually connected myself, such, I mean, e- obvious things like young couples. Right. Um, all happened on the weekends. There was no other motive besides killing. Right. Um, and he did obviously brag or confess through phone letter to the police, to the press, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, I did find interesting the fact that these all happened near water, like you said, right. or in and around cars. I hadn't really connected that uh, before uh, reading yeah. some of the books. Now, murder number one, darling, or not darling, um, David and Betty Lou, like I said, happened inside of a car. Friday night while the couple was parked on a lover's lane in front of the Benicia pumping station and Lake Herman was only a mile or so down the road. Mm -hmm. Murder number two, which was Darlene and Mike, happened inside a car in an empty parking lot at Blue Rock Springs near a couple of lakes and Mm -hmm. murder number three happened at dusk, the couple was all alone beside Lake Berryessa, and the killer, like I said, rode on the car when he left. Now, Captain Townsend believed he had more anger towards the women in the mm. attacks, which I kind of bri- briefly touched upon yep. earlier, but in every single case, the woman died because of her injuries. Mm. The man in two thirds of the attacks lived. The only The yep. only male that died was the younger yep. male, David, in the first attack. <clears throat> that, to me, says that he's a loner, probably someone who's not good with the ladies or has been pos- possibly rejected yep. um, in very, maybe even in a very embarrassing way. Or he's, what if he had some bad relationship with a mom or an ex, you know, something along the yeah. lines like that. Uh-huh. Problem with women's. Now, the next question is, He does he have a job? You know, all these murders are happening, like, during the weekend. They're not happening during the weekdays. Like, right. they're not Tuesday nights or whatever. Yep. So, is he working somewhere full-time and can't commit the murders mm. until he travels on the weekend? Yes. Somebody else has another theory. But, like I said, we'll get that on suspects. Yeah. So, after connecting all of these things, they all also realized the murders were getting closer and closer together the first it was 6 months in between yep. then the sec then it was 3 months in between the last couple of yep. murders but the zodiac would come back a lot sooner this time but this would be the fifth and final confirmed victim of the zodiac killer yep. It was October 11th, 1969. This is only 2 weeks after the Lake Berryessa attack. A 29-year-old cab driver named Paul Stein was inching his way down the street in San Francisco when a stocky man stepped from beneath an awning and placed his hand on the driver's side. He bent down to request a ride to the address in Presidio Heights residential district. Mm-hmm. Paul Stein put Washington and Maple on his trip sheet and started the drive to the area. When they arrived at the address, the street they were on in particular was lined with beautiful, expensive homes with wrought iron fences. And the the cab slowed down to a stop. Um, But there was a car parked at the foot of the hill. And some believe it was the passenger's car. So, Mm -hmm. keep that in mind. Okay. Uh, It's presumed that the man uh, planned on doing what we're about to talk about and then sprinting down the hill and speeding off in his car. But, before he started, he glanced up and noticed a man out walking his dog through the headlights of the cab. Mm -hmm. So, they were not alone. And it was dark. Yes. Mm -hmm. He leaned forward and told Paul to go another block, so the cab stopped again in between two trees on the corner of Washington and Cherry, directly in front of 3898 Washington. Mm -hmm. Before Paul even had time to do or say anything, the stranger pressed the muzzle of a gun to his right cheek, wrapped his arm around Paul's throat where it was in the crook of his elbow, and Paul tried fighting back, but the man pulled the trigger. (gasps) Yeah, so the killer exited the rear door and entered the front passenger door. He held Paul's head in his lap while he took his wallet and a front piece of his shirt. At 9.55 p.m., a 14-year-old girl across the street, joined by her older brother and a friend, They had a direct view of the cab, and they were watching this man as it seemed he was searching the driver and appeared to be wiping down the interior of the cab. Mm. They said he was doing something to the man, but they couldn't really tell what he was doing. And then the passenger side door opens. The man gets out of the car. He walked around the cab and started wiping down the door, the handle, even leaned back inside of the car to wipe the dashboard down again. He closes the door and walks away. Of course, the kids call the police and report what they saw. And this was logged at 9.58 p.m. Mm -hmm. Now, during this call, the operator wrote down it was a black adult male who was the suspect. Patrolman Donald Folk and Eric Zelms were going towards the scene when they saw a stocky man walking very slowly and awkwardly. This was at 10 p.m. Now, this is going to be um, a really big miss on the police's Uh part. They listened to this tip that said that he was African-American. Was that working Well, that's what it was reported. Mm -hmm. So, they shout towards this man and asked if he had seen anything weird or suspicious. And he said that he had actually seen a man um, waving a gun around running east on Washington. So, the patrol car speeds Uh off in this direction. Right. Um, I'm also about to really, really murder this man's name, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm take a little glance, um, Officer Armand Pellicetti. That was beautiful. I love you that my hype you woman. You did it. And Officer Frank Petta arrived on scene at the same time as Homicide Inspector Walter Crack. Ugh, now ugh, you and your last name is it Crack? No, what is it? Um. I love a good last name. What are we talking about? Butterbach. That's what your last name is, remember? Mrs. Butterbach. Mrs. Butterbach. I'll go put on my apron right now. Stop it. I'll get my Christmas one out. Don't play with me. I mean, you know. So, both cars pulled up behind Stein's cab and jumped out to see a horrific scene. Paul Stein had been shot in the head, his torso laid in the passenger side, and his head was on the floorboard. Point-blank range, right? Like, yeah. he was all... Like, opponent. he was, like... Like, he had to have been covered in blood when he got out of that cat. Oh, yeah. You would think. You would think. Mm-hmm. Well, you'd think he'd been covered in blood in the last attack as well. Right. So, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, when Crack opened the door, Paul's left-hand fell outward palm up almost touching ground this is when the correct description of the man was sent out the operator had actually written down the description wrong oh Mm. yeah luckily they were able to get to the scene pretty quickly and could preserve the scene homicide inspector Dave Toski, which would become a very these two cup these two guys right here would become very big in the zodiac case mm-hmm. from here on out mm-hmm. um, and his partner Bill Armstrong were called and arrived on scene about an hour later. Toski noted that there was blood everywhere and initially thought that this was the work of an amateur. When Paul's body was removed from the cab, Toski got a better look at anything that might have been under him, and he found one singular 9mm copper casing. Under the dash, there was a pair of dull black leather leather gloves found later traced back to a woman passenger earlier in the day, so it okay. was nothing to do with the killer. Okay. Two lab men arrived on scene and started taking evidence. One of the biggest things they found was a bloody right handprint. print. Mm. The info on where the print was found was kept confidential. Now, Toski ordered a canvas of the area with the correct description of the man. Dark jacket, crew cut hair, big, stocky, white guy. White guy. White guy. Very opposite of a dark man. Right. It was dark, though, and somebody... No, it was the operator. Oh, the operator just wrote it down wrong? Yes. Hey, well, that's a big mistake. Yeah. I mean, I dare say they probably should have lost their job after that. But... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll really say yeah and like if like hold your pants for like two minutes. Mm. So, they also brought dogs in for the search. The who? The detectives heard from neighbors that a stocky man was seen running across the Julius Kahn public playground into an undergrowth. Toski brought high-powered floodlights and tons of manpower to search this area and all the shrubbery, all the trees in the undergrowth. And during this time, Toski found out that Stein had received a call to 9th Avenue Avenue but never showed up. So the cab company sent somebody else. Uh-huh. This is when they kind of pieced together that Stein was had actually picked up the killer when he was en route to Ninth Avenue. So, he had picked this guy up, thinking, I can make a quick extra buck. That's right. Gets murdered, Culture never makes it. it to his Ninth Avenue call. At 1 a.m., the cab was towed, and by 2 a.m., the search was called off for the man in the underground. He, he gone. I mean. Yeah. Gone. Well... Sunday, October 12th, 1969, at 9.30 a.m., Paul Stein's body was brought for an autopsy. And the autopsy surgeon found a jagged, star-shaped tear in Stein's head. There was a pocket in between the skin and the skull created by gunpowder and soot. And the smudging on Stein's temple and the large wound told the surgeon that the muzzle of the gun was held at a very, very close range to his head. Rigor mortis had begun to set in as well, and during the autopsy, police brought the teens in to create a composite sketch of the killer they saw. Mm-hmm. Now, they created a white man between 25 and 30 years of age and blonde or reddish crew cut hair that wore glasses. Armstrong and Toski started to circulate that sketch to warn other cab companies, and the next day, they were going to be able to determine the print found on the car was the killers but they had nothing to compare it to so they have this print that they believe is the zodiac killers but they have nothing to compare this print to so they can't okay. identify who left the print this <laughs> it doesn't fit his mo like how do they know it's the zodiac i mean i'm, I'm assuming they get some kind of confirmation uh-huh. we but... do. we do we get some okay good good i need i need it i need it now I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Dang, pushing uh, bridges uh, over here. Ooh, the suspense. It's a lot. It's a well, lot. let's get into. So that was on October when they did the autopsy Tuesday. Now they don't know this is the zodiac. They don't at this time. Okay, uh, they don't know this is the zodiac. All right. I know this is the zodiac. You uh, don't. I okay. mean, you know because I've said it, but th- we haven't connected. Okay, he, nothing has happened okay. yet. But. Okay. Cease. It's about to. So, Tuesday, October 14th, 1969, letters editor at the Chronicle, Carol Fisher, was going through the mail on her desk and found one that was addressed like this. SF Chronicle, San Fran, Calif. So, short for California. Mm. Please rush to editor. Please rush to editor. The letter had been mailed the previous day from San Francisco, and normally where the return address went, there was a symbol in its place. A crossed circle. (sighs) When she opened the envelope, a three-by-five piece of gray and white cloth covered in blood fell onto her desk. The letter read, And trigger warning because this is a pretty awful threat towards the end of this letter, and I'm just going to give you a heads okay. up right now. Thank you. So, this is the Zodiac speaking. I am the murderer of the taxi driver over by Washington Street and Maple Street last night. To prove this, here is a blood-stained piece of his shirt. I am the same man who did in the people in the North Bay area. The SF police could have caught me last night if they had searched the park properly instead of holding road races with their motorcycles, seeing who could make the most noise. The car driver oh. should have just parked their cars and sat there quietly, waiting for me to come out of cover. Now, this is a trigger warning. School children make nice targets. I think I should swipe out a school bus one morning. Just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. It's disgusting. So, here we go again. The Zodiac is reaching out to the press, taking responsibility for his crime. Trying to shock people. Only this time, people. I was about to say, he he says he could have been caught. Uh-huh. And threatens to kill school children. So, let's go back to the night of the crime and talk about the lad that spoke to police and then, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit in the park. Yeah, that was the Zodiac killer. Yeah, I had a, I had a little. Uh-huh. Yeah, so police were not looking for a white male when they actually saw because the man walking the, down um, the street. Oh, because, uh-uh. yep, because it was wrote down wrong. So, whoo. Yeah, so when the man gave them the empty lead, you know, about a man waving his gun down the street, um, they didn't blink an eye. Not only that, but he was around while they were searching for him, yet he is still not in custody. Um, San Francisco Police Department would deny that Zodiac was ever seen by his police officers and of would course. never give an explanation as to why there was a second composite sketch done, because they did make a second composite sketch. Um, now, they had the officer that saw the man yeah. do the second composite mm-hmm. of who they saw, and that was the amended version that mm-hmm. was sent out. That was the of Zodiac sketch. Was. Yep. So, anywho, Carol immediately took all of this to the city desk, who then in turn called the um, Homicide Unit. Uh-huh. uh Toski saw the piece of cloth and immediately recognized it as Paul Stein. So, they confirm that was the killer of paul stein and this and is this the zodiac i like, to make sure that they know that i'm being for real well you I'm remember his- after the second or the first letter he ever sends you know they i don't i don't know if the police taunt than him but you know ask for you're gonna have to give us a little do better bit than more. yeah right. And so yeah. he's like well I'll do you want even better i'll send yep. you pieces of the man's cut up bloody shirt so the next day the chronicle ran the composite sketch and ran the top half of the letter the police requested that the threat at the end of the letter be admitted from the article in the paper so he did th- so they put in a lot of it but they did not put in the school bus threat to begin yep. with because that's a little scary you know like i don't think you don't many want people- to cause mass panic exactly a bunch of parents, uh. exactly so after this letter from Zodiac, police ramped up security on school buses, though, because of the threat. Good. Well, so, I was about to say, hopefully the bus drivers knew. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they did. And um, Zodiac had proven that he could kill and would kill again. So, cops did follow buses, helicopter, helicopters, helicopters, helicopters helicopters followed in the sky and they even had cops assigned to ride on the buses with shotguns for the children's protection so that's kind of scary to me like as a kid like thinking like somebody's riding on my bus with a shotgun and there's helicopters in the sky but i don't think they had any idea like what was going on you know yeah Bus drivers also had a specific set of instructions on how to handle an attack. They were not permitted to stop the bus under any circumstance. Children are, or were told to get below window level to avoid being seen, and bus drivers would turn all the lights on and sound the horn continuously, like trying to yep. attract attention to and themselves. And this is, he would be outside the bus, not on the bus with them. Right. Right. That's right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah, like they, he threatened that he would just shoot out a bus tire. Right, like keep roll, keep rolling. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what they said. Like don't stop. Like you keep yep. going. You honk your horn. You turn all the lights on. Yeah, children need to get below the le- window level so they are not seen. Yep. And the bus was only to stop in a very well populated area, which is when the police would be alerted. Right. Parents started keeping their children home and this was kind of one of the first times parents were fearful of letting kids get out of their sight. Yeah. Like, this was, like, parents were like, "Uh, I don't think you're going to be riding the bus (sighs) ever again. Yeah. By the 18th, Captain Martin Lee officially had a 10-man team assigned to Stein's case and trying to capture the Zodiac. He spoke to police and said this, quote, his boast of being in... The area while we were searching is a lie. We had the whole area flooded with lights. We had seven police dogs and a large number of patrolmen searching the area tree by tree and bush by bush. Ah. The dogs are the best in the country. A mouse couldn't have escaped our attention. The fact that Zodiac failed to mention dogs and floodlights proves that he wasn't anywhere in the vicinity. End quote. Huh. So, the captain is saying, mm, he's lying. Right. Now, the next time they heard from the Zodiac will be a few days later on October 22nd. Around 2 a.m., a man called the Oakland Police Department and said, quote, this is the Zodiac speaking. I want you to get in touch with Ethel Bailey. If you can't come up with Bailey, I'll settle for Mar- Melvin Belli. I hey, want- who are these folks? I'll tell you in a damn oh, minute. Hold your um, yeah. you getting Get a little pushy over this Fancy is what's little happening. Nancy. So, mm-hmm. anyways, I'll continue. I'll mm-hmm. settle for Melvin Belli. I want one or the other to appear on the Channel Seven talk show. I'll make contact by telephone. End quote. Mm-hmm. Now, Ethel Bailey was known for defending Sam Shepard in his second trial of murdering his pregnant wife back in 1954. He, oh. quote, He also defended Albert DeSalvo. Sound familiar? Uh Uh-uh. Bitch, one of the Boston Stranglers. Oh. Yeah. So, later, he would be one of the attorneys on, quote-unquote, the Dream Team defending O.J. Simpson. I've just heard something about O.J. Simpson, Charlie, another pod I'm listening to. Now Melvin Belli defended Jack Ruby, who shot Harvey Lee Oswald, the assassin of JFK. Okay. So these are two very attorneys. Yeah, prominent mm-hmm. attorneys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now Oakland PD immediately got in touch with Captain Lee, who turned it over to Toski and Armstrong. And when Lee contacted Belli, he agreed, and Belli was on the morning show at 6:30 a.m. Typically, the show began at seven, but this was a special occasion, obviously. Right, right, right. The first call didn't come through until 7.10, and the caller hung up almost immediately. The next call came about 10 minutes later. Bella asked the caller to give him a name to call him other than Zodiac, and the caller repa- replied with Sam. Now, over the next two hours, Sam would call and talk for short periods of time before he hung up. No, oh, because of tracing. He's so smart. Oh, yeah. So, um... There were a total of 35 calls to the talk show that morning. Oh, wait. yeah. Yeah. And the longest was nine minutes, They nine minutes. And they still nine minutes long and they couldn't uh, trace it. Well, we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, In one call, Belleye asked Sam if he thought he needed medical care. Sam answered yes, but not mental help. He claimed he was sick and had headaches. In another call, Sam said he didn't want to go to the gas chamber and claimed his headaches went away when he killed people. After all the calls, the people that heard the Zodiac talk listened, you know, the few people that. Had encountered the zodiac, listened to this talk, listened to the recordings, and they said they did not believe this was the zodiac. Oh, now police were finally able to trace this call back to Napa State Hospital, and it was indeed a mental patient, so it was not the oh, zodiac killer. Said. But is that so? A mental patient wrote the letter as well? No, no, no. no. Mm. So, some people believe that the Zodiac, in fact, did call the police department and asked for Belli or Ethley Bailey. Oh, that was a phone call. That wasn't a letter. Right. Okay. And I was thinking it was in the letter, that request. Some people think that the Zodiac's call was intercepted, possibly. Mm -hmm. Or some people, you know... Say maybe he called the police department and pretended to be the Zodiac in the begin with. Yeah. But, like, he wasn't the one writing the letters. Okay. So. Totally disconnected from the letters. Oh, yeah. He was just somebody just, like, wanting attention us. I us. Mean, yeah. he's another. Yeah, so. On October 23rd, 1969, Joe Stein, Paul's brother, told the Chronicle, quote, Zodiac has to be a sick, a maniac. I hope that by offering myself as a target, I can bring him out. I I work at Richfield Service Station. I start work at 7 a.m. and work until 5. Let him come and get me. I'm in excellent shape. I'm tough enough to handle Zodiac if I can get my hands on him. Calling him out. Oh, yeah. He said, I don't carry any weapons. I don't feel I need any. Basically, he said, since you think you're so big and bad blindsiding, people come step to me and see what happens. Uh Catch me outside. How about that? Okay. So, as far as I know, Zodiac never tried, Joe. So, Toski and Armstrong continued their investigation, but they still didn't really have much. November 8th, the Chronicle received a greeting card with a pen hanging from a noose dripping ink or blood that said, Sorry, I haven't written, but I just washed my pen. Now, if you flipped it on, or like opened it on the inside, it said, And I can't do a thing with it. The author of the card wrote, This is the Zodiac speaking. I thought you would need a good laugh before you get the bad news. You won't get the news for a while. Yet. P.S. Could you print this new cipher on your front page? I get awfully lonely when I get ignored. So lonely I could do my thing. The Zodiac had thing underlined six times along with six explanation marks. He added his signature, the circle with the cross, mm. and then had D.E.S. Some people think for December. July, Aug, September, October equals seven. Now, this appeared to be a total count of his victims, but he was claiming two additional victims in the month of August. But, police had not connected any murders to the Zodiac. The only unsolved murders in the area that happened in August were two young teenage girls who were stabbed to death while on a picnic. It was Deborah Gay Furlong, 14 years old, and Kathy Snoozy, who was 15. They had been stabbed a total of 300 times. Their killer would eventually be caught, though, two years later. And that was not the Zodiac, I'm assuming. I would assume that would be a logical assumption. Now, researching this, I wondered if this was just a single murder that could have been connected to the Zodiac. Because something or someone we will discuss in part three. Okay. So they were looking for like a double murder, but what if it was... One singular murder that right. happened and then another singular murder that happened. That's right. Oh, yeah. Two different. More the idiots. cipher that was sent with this card would go unsolved for 51 years. Excuse me? Uh-huh. I thought you were going to say days. Mm-mm. Wow. So, what? I will actually save that for probably part four when we get into talking about what happens present day with the zodiac because there is a history channel documentary i watched and I'll, oh. i think all that kind of information i'll save for like probably part four yeah um Gosh. and it wasn't like this cipher wasn't solved until last year 2021 wow, that's uh-huh. crazy 51 years so, the very next day, the Chronicle received another letter. It was seven pages long and included a drawing of the bomb he planned on building and burying on the side of the road. He started the letter, quote, This is the Zodiac speaking. Up until the end of October, I have killed seven people. I have grown rather angry with police for letting... For telling lies about me, so I shall change the way the collecting of slaves. I shall no longer announce to anyone when I commit my murders. They shall look like routine robberies, killings of anger, and a few fake accidents, etc. The police shall never catch me because I have been too clever for them. And like typical zodiac, he goes on to taunt police. So he writes one I look like the description passed out only when I do my thing. The rest of the time, I look entirely different. I shall not tell you what my... It's really hard reading these because he spells like really crazy too. But I think he writes disguise. Uh Uh-huh. Consists of when I kill. Two, as of yet, I have left no fingerprints behind me. Contrary to what police say in my killings, I wear transparent fingertip guards. All it is is two coats of airplane cement coated on my fingertips. Quite unnoticeable plus very effective. Okay. Three. My killing tools have been bought through the mail order outfits before the ban went into effect. Except one and it was bought out of state. So, as you can see, the police don't have much to work on. If you wonder why I was wiping the cab down, I was leaving fake clues for the police to run all over town with. As one might say, I gave them busy work to keep them happy. I enjoy needling the blue pigs. Hey, blue pig. I was in the park. You were using fire trucks to mask the sound of your cruising prowl cars. The dogs never came within two blocks of me and they were to the west. And there was only two groups of parking, about ten minutes apart. Then the motorcycles oh. went by a hundred and fifty feet away from going from south to northwest. PS two cops pulled a goof about three minutes after I left the cab. I was walking down the hill to the park when this cop car pulled up and one of them called me over and asked if I saw any thing at anyone acting suspicious or strange in the last five to ten minutes mm, he called him out and i said mm-hmm. yes there was a man who was running by waving a gun and the cops peeled rubber and went around the corner as i directed them Dang. and disappeared into the park a block and a half away never to be seen again must print in paper wow hey pig doesn't it rile you up to have your nose rubbed in your boo-boos you say boo Boo-boo? yeah okay. So, the author of this letter went on to describe his bomb he was threatening to build and hide to blow up a bus, but he did give police a clue, a very slight clue, but he said, quote, What you do not know is whether the death machine is at the site or whether it is being stored in my basement for future use. Now, you're probably thinking, why does that give them a hint? Mm -hmm. And it's a very, very minuscule hint, mm -hmm. but it's a hint. Mm -hmm. That he has a basement. That he lived in a house, not an apartment. Uh-huh. because And that basements weren't used in every home. So... Right. I mean, it didn't really get them any closer to identifying the Zodiac, but it's something to think about and keep in the back of your head when you discuss suspects. Because it... Right. I mean, it could have been something he just said, but it also could have been true. Interesting. This is a weird... I'm... I don't know. He's all over the place. I know. From when this started... It gets a lot crazier, man. So, I'm telling you, like, y'all have never... Y'all don't know anything about the Zodiac, man. I'm trying to let y'all know. Nuts. So, Zodiac was having a great time while taunting police, and it made him feel powerful and probably even invincible. i Now, there was one more letter sent that year, and it was postmarked December 20th, 1969. One year... After the murders of Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday. In it, he included another piece of Stein's shirt. So, it was, in fact, the killer. Yeah, He saved him. Okay. Now, the back of the envelope said Merry Christmas, but it had X-M-A-S-S. So, he spelled it the same as he did in the first Zodiac letter. And New Year. He sent his letter to Melvin Belli this time, not the newspaper. Mm Mm-hmm. This letter read, quote, Dear Melvin, this is the Zodiac speaking. I wish you a happy Christmas. The only thing I ask of you is this. Please help me. I cannot reach out because of this thing in, w- in me won't let me. I am finding it extremely difficult to keep in check. I'm afraid I will lose control again and take my ninth and possibly tenth victim. Please help me. I am drowning. At this moment, the children are safe from the bomb because it is so massive to dig in and the trigger mech requires so much work to get it adjusted just right. But if I hold back too long from number nine, I will lose complete all control of myself and set the bomb up. Please help me. I cannot remain in control for much longer. End quote. Now, reading this, I questioned if this was truly the Zodiac. But, yeah. I mean, you have to keep reminding yourself that he sent a piece of Stein's Blue shirt and letter. Right. And and he's all over the place anyway. Yeah. I mean, and he spells, like, Christmas the same, so... Yeah. I don't know. It was just really hard for me to believe that this was the same man who just murdered five people. He was reaching out and asking for help Hi. from an attorney. Um, now that we have discussed all of the five main victims that are contributed to the Zodiac Killer... Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we'll we'll discuss the investigations in the years that followed because there's a lot of weird things that happen. I mean, there's other killings, kidnappings that are attributed to the Zodiac, um, and the first happens only a couple months after the Zodiac's letter to Melvin Belli, and this murder I actually hadn't ever even heard of until like a couple days ago when i was doing my research for this right and i've listened to i I mean like i said i've been involved in the zodiac you know research right not just for my podcast but just interest for years and i never heard of this but this um you know it's not widely attributed to the zodiac but it has a very similar mo which means i wanted to mention it yeah I'm glad so I'm glad that you are. Thank you, mom. So it was a Saturday night on February 21st, 1970. Mm-hmm. And it was John Franklin Hood, 24 years old, and Sandra Garcia, 20. And they were visiting East Beach in Santa Barbara. Now, John was a Vietnam soldier and veteran, and Sandra worked at the Department of Motor Services. They were engaged and soon to be wed. Now, that night, they were laying on a blanket, enjoying the evening on a beach when a man approached them, holding a bone-handled fish knife with a four-inch blade. They tried fighting back, but unfortunately, they ended up dead. John had been stabbed 11 times, directed towards the face and back. Now, Sandra, though, she was almost unrecognizable. The attacker focused more on her than he did John. There was also no sexual assault or robbery detected. Right. Uh They were actually not found until the next day when they were found lying face down on their blanket. The knife was found under the blanket, partially buried in the dirt. The parallel of the couple being stabbed to death at dark near water and the brunt of the attack towards the woman, like, that's all very yeah. zodiac if you will. Mm-hmm. The only thing is in an article by Oxnard Press Courier dated for February 24th, 1970. That is my boo birthday, by the way. Not, teen, not 1970, but, you February know. 24th. Yeah. The article claims that there was apparently two males in their early 20s that were spotted near East Beach Service Station washing cut wounds. This was near where the couple's bodies would later be found, mm-hmm. and this is about 1 a.m., and claimed that they had been on a fight, or in involved in a fight on East Beach, which is where they got all beat up, all, you know, cut up and all that. And it would later be determined that John and Sandra were murdered between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. So, you're probably asking me why in the world I'm mentioning this. Spell it, girl. I'm not going to right now oh. because I'll connect it in a minute with something <laughs> cool. Don't look at me you know like that. No, I don't that. like that, ma'am. Uh, he mentioned something in a future letter, but I just I wanted to you know put all that out there for you. Mm-hmm. Now, the next suspected Zodiac attack would happen only one month later on March 22nd of 1970. It was a Sunday night. Kathleen Johns, 22 years old, was driving around at 11.15 p.m. near Modesto to Petaluma on a deserted highway with her infant daughter. She was also pregnant at the time. Now, she's driving on this road. A vehicle comes up behind her and it starts flashing the headlights and gesturing for her to pull over. Don't stop. I know. know, We're going to talk into that, ladies and gents, especially ladies. If you're alone in a vehicle, ma'am, do not stop for anyone, okay? Mm-mm. Especially mm-hmm. in the middle of the night on a deserted highway. Mm. But, anyways, um, she believed that the stranger was trying to tell her something was wrong with her vehicle, so she pulls off onto the shoulder of the road. Now, a two-door vehicle, this has come up a lot if you haven't noticed, two-door yep. vehicle. Mm-hmm. He. It turned around and parked behind her. A man got out of the vehicle and started towards her, and he told her that he thought her tire was looking a little wobbly, a little loose. Don't look at my tire, Chief. I business. And offered to tighten it for her. Huh. So, he tightened the lug nuts and then says goodbye. She continued on her way for not even a mile before she had to pull off the road again. It is thought that the man actually loosened the lug nuts instead of tightening yeah, that sounds them. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. So... Ladies, we're going to learn a super quick lesson um, free of charge. Okay. Because you don't need a damn man, okay? Um, If you need to change your tire, you need to have a car jack. And just a small one will do. Just one to jack, jack your. Jack your car up a little kit, a bit a kit, uh-huh, a little and have a lug w- wrench. You jack mm-hmm. the car up a little bit. You put the wrench on. And this is very important, ladies, okay? You don't want to completely take off each lug nut separately. You need to loosen each nut a little bit at a time. So, you start with lug one, twist a few times, move to another lug. Mm-hmm. I usually do it in like a star shape. Uh-huh. You know? Yep. Anyways, you do it a little bit at a time. You know, change the tire, put the lugs back on the same way you took them off a little bit at a time. Okay. Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. Uh-huh. Always. Thank you, Mechanics 101 with Alyssa. You're welcome. Yes. So, a short time later, the stranger reappeared and offered her a lift to the nearest service station. And she looked around and noticed there was nothing around f- for a long, long time. So she mm-hmm. had no option. There weren't cell phones, so she gathered up Jennifer, her baby, Aww. and reluctantly agreed. According to Grace Smith's Look, Kathleen noticed that the lights in the car were still on in her car, so the man turned around, turned the lights off, and stuck her keys in his pocket, apparently with a smile on his face, which would have been um, a very fast no for me. Uh-huh. He apparently drove past several stations when Kathleen started getting nervous and questioning him. He said the stations were closed. So, that's why he kept driving. Okay. And, allegedly, he drove her around for one to one and a half hours on the outside of Tracy, California. And, she asked him several times if he planned on stopping. He would diverge the conversation. Now, I do want to mention that initially, she said that he was calm, even sort of friendly towards her. But, she still felt kind of scared. In mm-hmm. a sense, um, even though he wasn't necessarily, um, threatening her or her baby. Yeah. okay. Oh, but. I hate this whole thing. I do, too. Yeah. Um, but she, and she still said that she felt like he had a malicious intent. She finally asked him if he helped people like this often, and he responded very ominously by saying, quote, when I get through with them, they don't need much help. End quote. Now, this is when she decided the next time the vehicle slowed down or stopped that she was going to grab her daughter and jump from the car, like there was Took no other role. better option than that because she's stuck in this car with this creep. So, he had hey, her keys. Ugh. Yeah. Well, when they've fine. driven around for an hour to an hour and a half, like it's obvious something's bad's going to happen. It's right. Me. So he had to come to a stop, and she snatched Jennifer ran, you know, opened the door, rolled out of the car, and ran to a dark field and hid. Now, the suspect didn't even get out and search for her. It said that he just shut the door and drove off. Hmm. After she got away from the car, she got a lift from a couple from Missouri that took her to the police station. Charles McNatt was on duty, and she came in hysterically at about 2.30 a.m. He was trying to understand what she was saying, and that's when she saw the composite sketch from Paul Stein's murder hanging up. She had no idea who he was, but she said the sketch looked like the man that had kidnapped her. Huh? And McNatt told her that was the Zodiac killer, and then she flipped out even more. Like she was like, what? you know yeah. what the heck so may told a deputy to go out to where kathleen said she had left her car at and the deputy found her car completely burned oh. now kathleen's incident or abduction is highly debated because allegedly her story didn't add up one thing people pointed out is that That the people that picked up Kathleen after should have or would have passed by her vehicle. And if they did, you would assume that they would report that they saw a car on fire. Right. But if it wasn't lit on fire yet, that means that the guy would have had to circle back around, like, minutes later and then go and light it on fire. And why would he have done that? Right. Now, the questerfiles.com mm. also pointed out that Kathleen could only describe the, the place that she immediately stopped at and in stewart's book it said that she later changed her story so she first said the man never threatened her or her baby but then she told people the man looked at her and said you know you're going to die you know i'm going to kill you i'm going to throw your baby out so why would she why would she beef it up you know like that <laughs> but that's why it kind of throws a little like yeah I'm not really sure. And uh, she could never recall any other further details other than the fact that her abductor's car was super messy. And then she said that she noticed men in children's clothing scattered about. um, And books and papers and a rubber handled flashlight and two colored plastic scouring pads on the console dashboard. Okay. Okay. i don't know i don't know know either honestly um but there are a lot of people who definitely connect this because of what he says in a later letter but Mm -hmm. i'm just here to say that like was he taking credit for it did he actually do it there's evidence pointing to the fact that he might just take credit for it because yes. he's him. <laughs> exactly. Right? Captain Roy Conway of the Vallejo Police, in assessing the Zodiac killer case years later, said of Kathleen's incident this, quote, I'm kind of a loss as how to explain it, but I don't believe that what she described even happened, let alone the Zodiac did it, end quote. Well, so if she's a woman and she must be crazy, shut up. Well, not that she just couldn't really give like details, right? But I'm not here to say that it didn't happen because it could have. It very well could have. This officer just believes it. He's not sure it even happened, much less the Zodiac did it. So, only a month later, Zodiac wrote to the media again. It was on April twentieth, nineteen seventy, and he mailed a thirteen-symbol cipher with a letter to the San Francisco Chronicle. San Francisco. I keep doing it. San that. Francisco. I love it. That's just our new name for it. The Chronicle. Um, and this cipher has never been solved, by the way, to this day. What? There's, I think, two that have never been solved. And the belief is that either they're unsolvable because, like, it just could be, like, random crap. Or it's just they're very small ciphers, so you can't definitely say there's a pattern yep. in it. And you can't mm-hmm. definitely say, yeah, that's for sure what it is. So... But this is, what it's, this is what the letter he wrote with the cipher said. This is the Zodiac speaking. By the way, have you cracked the last cipher I sent you? My name is. I am mildly curious as to see how much money you have on my head now. I hope you do not think I was the one who wiped out the blue meanie with a bomb at the cop station, even though I talked about killing school children with one. It just wouldn't do to move on in someone else's territory. But there is more glory in killing a cop than a kid because a cop can shoot back. I have killed 10 people to date. It would have been a lot more except that my bus bomb was a dud. I was swamped out by the rain we had a while back. He also included his bus bomb diagram. Now, one thing many people point out is when he said he was enjoying killing cops and that he had killed 10 people to date. So many people think, oh, could John Hood, the veteran, and Sandra have been his ninth and 10th victim?" Because he was a veteran, he could have mistaken him as a cop. Yep. Um, and this is this is why I mentioned John and Sanders' yep. murders earlier back. Because it's loosely possible the Zodiac had something right. to do with it because He's it's a similar a MLO. Yep. MLO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an MLO. And he dropped small hints and letters to police that kinda suck. Because he said he wasn't gonna tell police anymore. He's just right. gonna do it as routine robberies and this, that and the other. So right. whatever.
1: Right. But, but he couldn't help
0: it. Exactly. You know, so. Now um, that is where we are going to stop at for today, guys. In episode three, we're going to talk a little bit more about letters, some more victims that could possibly be possibly be linked to the murders um, of the Zodiac, and some that could have could could tell you that the Zodiac started before nineteen sixty eight. What? Was David and Betty Lou his first victims? I my head is my thoughts were racing. I can't well so let me tell you my sources right. um you know we did i I use zodiac ciphers a lot um great information on there criminalminds.com I used 360 uh cities 360 cities yeah and you can those I linked below on the last episode but these are the ones that you can like see the um crime scenes. that's awesome very like true. where they happen that yep. history.com zodiackiller.com independent.com zodiac Killer Facts, cyphers50.com the quester files and a reddit thread and then of course I used graysmith's book mm-hmm. the zodiac and I used um what's his face gary stewart <coughs> god bless you thank you <laughs> So yeah, that was very interesting. And I hope I wasn't I all over n- the place. No, but he, I feel like is, I don't know. I don't he think. is all over the place. Right. That's why it's hard to like. Right, I can't figure this guy out. Mm hmm. Well, and my thing is, is I just spilled my energy drink so all over my face. Um, we're crying for a second. Like, oh, she's cried. so emotional. About um, gay. The the hard thing is. When I was, I'm trying to put this all together. It's very hard for me to, because I wanted to start with the beginning. Right. But there are two things, maybe more than two, that we're going to mention even before his first, first killing that could connect him to. Yep. Mm -hmm. Possible, possible murders before Before. 68. And any time where it looks like they just stop killing. It's like, okay, what happened? No, they didn't. If they had started, he had kind of escalated, it seems. With his last couple killing, and then killing the cab driver in the middle of town, and then to just stop, it doesn't make sense. I know, and like, but his mo too. Like his mo is all over the place. Right. Like he kills couples, and then he moves to killing a couple with stabbing, and then he goes to killing a cab driver. Right. Possibly just abducting a lady and driving her around for a couple hours, and then maybe like the baby loose. threw him off. Well, that's what a lot of people suspect is, like, the baby and, like, her being pregnant kind of, like. And he was like, yeah, I don't know if I can do this. Uh Uh-huh. So. That was great. I'm excited for next week. Yeah, well, uh, I hope y'all join us next week for part three. We are going to be talking about some more murders, some more letters. I'm ready for Suspects. Oh, my gosh. I know. I, I That's what I'm excited about. I was talking about Suspects. Yep. That's definitely. I'm going to try and wrap up all of it maybe next week, and then we'll do Suspects in part four. So, hopefully, I'm going to try and keep it to a part four, like four parts well, of the Zodiac. I mean, you do so. what you got to do. All right. I am giving y'all a lot of info, man. Yep. So, I hope y'all are following. I hope y'all are enjoying. Mm-hmm. Um, And, yeah. So, we're just going to close you out today. Thank yeah. you guys for listening. We love being in your ears. We so love that awesome. you love listening to us. Yes. We love it. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, and, you know, you need to be following us on the Instagram. At IllNaturePod. Join our Facebook group because we're almost at 700 people, Yay! guys. Yay! IllNaturePodcasts. Um, we've done a few ticky talks during this time. At L-Nature Pod. And case suggestions or, um, what, uh, theories about the Zodiac. Yeah. What do you have to say about the Zodiac? You know, email them. IllNaturePod at Yahoo.com. And, yeah, you guys need to keep spreading the word like wildflower. Tell all your friends, all yes. your family, all your strangers you see on the road. Tell you, tell everyone. Everyone. And, um, Yeah. That's it. That's it for today, guys. So, um, we will catch you guys on the flip side. Peace.